0: Well good morning and welcome to Scotts Hill Baptist Church. So glad to see all of you here live as we gather together at the eight o'clock service and those of you who are still watching us online in the comfort of your home, thank you for inviting us into your home. We're looking forward to that day where you can be back with us and as we continue to um, navigate through these times with COVID 19 and all of those different things that are coming that way. We're just praying that God would continue to give us wisdom and how to be the church and how to impact our community, even in a time such as this. And I, I want to say this morning to all the men here Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to the men. How many of you, let me, let me begin this. How many of you are grandparents? Raise your hand. Grandfathers, yeah, yeah. I am now among your ranks in that, and uh, am enjoying it immensely. And all the dads, all the dads, raise your hand. I'm gonna ask you to stand. That means grandfathers and dads. Great, great to see you all here. And those of you at home, hope that you're welcomed by your own family this morning. Uh, We're gonna step out of our parable series for just one Sunday because I felt like the Lord was laying a specific message on my heart to speak to dads and to speak. To grandfathers. And those two, I'm beginning to see more and more are connected to one another. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Africa, and I went to a number of different safaris on the Massamara and Amberselli, and I had the opportunity to see all the wildlife out there. My wife and I were supposed to go to South Africa this year, but of course, with COVID, everything was canceled. And one of the things in South Africa is an incredible um, wildlife reserve called the Kruger Wildlife Reserve. And on Kruger Wildlife Reserve, there's every kind of animal that you can imagine would be on an African wildlife reserve. It's teeming with all kinds of species. But the one species that was taken over everything were elephants. The elephants were growing at a high rate of speed. And because of the number of elephants that were once almost distinct they were now using up all the resources of Kruger National Park. So the, the game wardens there and the, 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 the wildlife officers said, we've got to do something here. We've got to take these elephants and we need to transfer them to another game reserve, one that needs elephants. Now you can imagine transporting elephants would be no easy task. So they came up with a plan where they would create a harness and that harness would be attached to a helicopter, and that they would transport one elephant at a time to a nearby wildlife reserve. They chose Palanesburg, which was not far from them, and they decided that they would do it. The problem was this. They couldn't create a harness big enough for the male bull elephants. These very mature elephants weighing tons, they're thinking that, how are we going to do this? The helicopter's capable... But the harness is not. So they decided, you know what? We won't mess with the bulls. We'll just take the females and the adolescent males, and we're going to move them to Plainsburg National Park. And they did. And once they moved them there, those young elephants began to range through this new park. They had so many resources, so many opportunities, that they were running wild. Everything seemed to be great. But then a couple of months later, they began to see that a number of things were happening there that they couldn't explain. They were finding rhinos, white rhinos, which were endangered, and they found them dead. At first, they thought they were poachers, but they thought, no, no, no. The womb holes are too big, and they're not stealing those very expensive horns that a a poacher would take. So they didn't know what was killing the rhinos, so they put up trail cameras where all the rhinos hang up. And what they discovered shocked them. The young adolescent males were ganging up on the rhinos and were killing them. They were stumping them to death. They were goring them with their tusk. And they were leaving these rhinos dead. They were also terrorizing all the other animals on Plainsburg. If that's not enough, these young adolescent males were going crazy. They began to attack tourists, (laughs) And uh, I think that's a Volkswagen rabbit. Uh, But they they began to scare the tourists. A professional hunter was killed, and some tourists were killed by these elephants. And they began to wonder what is going on. And, and, And they said, Something is missing. And then they understood the problem was there were no male, mature elephants to teach the young elephants how to act. There was no male authority in their culture and in their pachyderm. And as a result, these young male elephants were running wild. Also, when it came to mating season, which was called the musking season for elephants, they couldn't control even their abilities, and they were just ransacking villages. So what did they do? They went back and designed a new harness, And they began to collect the mature bull elephants, and they began to bring them to Plainsburg. Within a month, everything turned around. Within a month, those young male adolescent elephants fell in line. They began to follow the authority and submitted to the maturity of the older elephants. And within a month, they began to learn what it means to be an elephant and how to act in the wild. It's an interesting story, and it sounds a lot like our families in America today. You see, what's true of elephants are also true of our families. 43% of children in America today are growing up without a dad in the home. 43%. Forty years ago, someone wrote a piece about this. 40 years ago, somebody wrote this statement. A community that allows a large number of young men to grow up in broken homes, dominated by women, never acquiring any stable relationship to male authority, never acquiring any rational expectations for the future, that community asks for and gets chaos. That was written 40 years ago. Now, there are a lot of Things in this quote that we might say are just not politically correct. We might say, oh, that's kind of chauvinistic or that's kind of sexist. And today we might even say, that's really racist. But while we're spending our time arguing those terms, we're watching chaos play out before our eyes every day in our culture, or are we not? We see it on the television. We're watching it in, in, in our devices. And, and, and what we're seeing today is contributed to so many different things. Yes, has there been injustice in our nation? Absolutely. Has there been the mistreatment of people because of the color of their skin? Absolutely. Is there unrighteousness that we see playing out in the streets of our cities? Absolutely. And while we talk about all those other things, there's another elephant in the room that we're not talking about, and that's fatherlessness in America. A 2009 study showed that one of the greatest detriments to our culture today is homes without dads. And we know that's true. And what happens as a result of this, when we're living in a culture where dad is not present, chaos will ultimately reign, and we're watching young men being thrown into a prison system that swallows them alive. The United States has less than 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners in our country. Here's the saddest part of all that. 80% of the young men in prison grew up in homes without dads. Without dads. Fatherlessness in America (sighs) creates chaos. Now, here's the thing that we have to understand. Becoming a dad, becoming a father, is far easier than being a father. Becoming a father is easier than being a dad. And what I want to speak to you about today is not all the negative trends, but I want us to see how can we be the kinds of dads that impact our kids and our kids' kids and the generations to come. You see, as the home goes, so goes the culture. And if we're having problems with injustice, are we teaching justice in our homes? If we're having problem with unrighteousness, are we teaching righteousness in our homes? If we're having problems with prejudiced hearts, are we teaching equality in our homes? You see, it all begins in the home, because as the home goes, so goes the culture. And men, grandfathers, I want to speak to you today about how we can impact our kids, regardless of their age, and how they can impact their kids and generations to come in such a way that the family unit becomes stable Godly representations of the kingdom of God on earth. So where do we begin? We can begin in a lot of different places. But the best place to look is in Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, just turn to Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Let me set the scene for you. Moses is writing to the fathers in this passage. And as Moses is writing to the fathers, he is reminding them in chapter 5, he relays out again the Ten Commandments. And as he lays out the Ten Commandments, he's telling them that you need to follow these. You need to teach these to your children. They are about to enter the promised land. But before they do so, he reminds them of their tasks as dads. Now, he's not only speaking to fathers, but he's specifically singling out the fathers and the grandfathers. And in this passage, he gives three specific steps in how we can impact our children and our grandchildren. Here's how Moses begins. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, talking about the Ten Commandments, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it that you may fear the Lord your God and you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments which I commanded you all the days of your life that your days may be long. Then he begins what's known as the great Shema. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your homes, in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, or they shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, take care, lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray today, that you would challenge, encourage, and even comfort our hearts as we look at this thing called fatherhood. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 1,932 times in both the New Testament and the Old Testament, we see references to fathers and fatherhood. Our heavenly Father represents the perfect Father. And he, this is dear to his own heart because he is the father of the Lord Jesus. And for those who receive Christ as Lord and Savior, he becomes our father and we become his children. And we learn so much from his character. And so what, what are the three things that Moses is pressing upon dads and grandfathers to know in this passage? Here's the first thing. A dad makes an impact as he models a reverence for God. This is the beginning point. Men, listen to me. You can teach your kids a lot of things, and you will. But the most important thing that you can teach your sons and your daughters is a reverence for God. Here's how Moses begins. That you may fear the Lord your God. And you and your son and your son's son The word fear isn't this abject fear where you run away. It is a holy awe. It is an understanding of the person of God. It is an understanding of who he is. And you have this reverent awe towards him. And the greatest thing that you can teach your children is this relationship that you have with God the Father through Jesus Christ, his Son the greatest thing you can do and I can do is to teach them and let them see how we love God. Now, how do we do it? He goes on. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. There are three things that we can learn from this passage that men, grandfathers, Fathers, we could teach to our sons and grandsons. Number one is that there is the great revelation. There's one Lord. There's one Lord. We're living in a day today called multiculturalism. Multiculturalism is not a celebration in ethnicity. It is a celebration in universality. And multiculturalism is telling us that all paths lead to God. All paths lead to God. And now, there are a couple of positions theologically that we understand about salvation, One is called exclusivism, which means there's only one way. Some are called universalism, which means every way. And then there's another one called inclusivism, which means that you can find Jesus on any path that you're on. You could be a Muslim and find Jesus. You could be a Buddhist and find Jesus. It's not about knowing Jesus personally. It's just applying the principles that he taught in some other religious form. But what we need to teach our children in this world of pluralism is that there's one way. There's only one way. There's one God to whom we are to give our allegiance, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Dads, granddads, your sons and your grandsons and your daughters and granddaughters are going to be looking for truth, we need to point them to the one who is able to save their soul. Here's the second thing. There's a great response. Not only we show one Lord, but we show one love. We love him with all that we have. With all our heart, it is a sincere love. With all of my soul, it is a selfless love. With all of my strength, it is a strong love. I am to help my kids see that Jesus Christ is the number one relationship in my life. After that, it is my wife. After that, it is my kids. After that, it may be my ministry or my job. But it might look like this. Jesus first, everybody else underneath that. When we were growing up, we taught our kids this. That Jesus always comes first. And I taught my kids that the next person is your mama. Chris is always going to come before you. And I always told them a story that if we were in a situation where I could only save one of the three of you, I would save your mama every time. Every time I would save Chris. That didn't scare them. That gave them a great comfort. Man, daddy loves Jesus, and then daddy loves mama more than anybody else. And then their next question would be, well, who are you going to save after mom? It depends on what you did that day. No, no, but it was this understanding that there's one love and that he has all of me. There's one way, the Lord Jesus, there's one passion of my heart, and that is to love him with all my soul and mind and strength, and there's one law. That means there's a morally absolute truth. And that the word of God is what guides my life. It guides my emotions. It guides my thinking. And these are the things that we are to pass down to our sons and our daughters. Is that there's one way. That's the Lord Jesus. There's one love. That's to love him with all your heart. And there's one law. His objective truth. That goes beyond the barriers of every culture and every definition that comes down. Dads, grandfathers, one of the greatest things we can do is pass to our children a reverence for God. And when they begin to see that in our lives, that is something that they carry with them. Because the legacy that you lead will go from generation to generation to generation And listen, statistics tell us that within two generations, either convictions are strengthened or they're lost. Within two generations. That's why Moses says that you will teach them to your sons and your sons' sons. It's the fathers have the opportunity to teach their sons, and then the grandfathers have the opportunity to teach their grandsons their daughters, and their granddaughters. It is to go beyond that. And when we fail to carry on the truth to our sons and our grandsons within two generations, everything could be lost. There were two men who lived at the same time. Jonathan Edwards, who was a great man of God, a teacher, a theologian, a preacher, responsible for part of the Great Awakening In America. At the same time was a man that was his contemporary. His name was Max Jukes. You don't know anything about Max Jukes. But Max Jukes was a notoriously known criminal. He was in and out of prison constantly. Each one of them left a legacy. Somebody went and followed the line of each of these men. Let me show you Max Jukes. Max Jukes. That's it right there. 280 were career thieves. This is his line. 130 were in prison. 128 of his descendants were prostitutes. 100 were alcoholics. 7 were murderers. 20 learned a trade. 10 of those learned a trade in prison. That's the line of Max Jukes. Now let's look at the line of Jonathan Edwards. A hundred of them were clergy, missionaries or theological professors. A hundred were college professors. A hundred were lawyers. Thirty were judges. Sixty were doctors. Sixty were authors. Seventy-five were Army or Navy officers. Thirteen were presidents of universities. Three were U.S. senators. One was a third vice president of the United States. Quite a difference, isn't it? Legacy is life. And when we pour into our children... A reverence for God. And we model that in our home. That passes from generation to generation. Here's the second thing Moses tells us. A dad makes an impact as he instills respect for God's word. Now we're talking about not just a holy awe, reverence for God, but as we instill a respect for the truth of God's word. He puts it this way. Moses says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You should teach them. Now, a lot of dads get nervous about this because they're thinking, I don't know how to teach. How do I teach formally? Well, it's more of an informal teaching. And you should teach them. What's them? Them is the truth of God's word. Them primarily in this passage deals with the Ten Commandments. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Parents, listen to me. It is not the job of the schools to teach your kids about God. It's not the job of the church to primarily teach your children about Christ. It's not the job of Google. It's not the job of Instagram. It's not the job of TikTok to teach your children about Christ, it is your responsibilities. Both moms and dads are to be the professors when it comes to the truths of God's word. But while both are important and mom is invaluable because she spends the majority of time with the children teaching them and instructing them. But here's what we know. When dad is present in the home and he is teaching his children biblical principles, do you know that children grow up with more confidence? They grow up with more uh, um, abilities. They grow up with more security. That's the truth. And do you know that when moms take their children to church, apart from the presence of a father actively involved, 15% of those kids will continue in church as their adults. But when a dad takes his children to church and takes his family to church, those kids have an 80% chance of continuing in church when they're adults. Because dad makes an incredible influence in the life of the home when he models biblical principles. The dad, that's the first man that children will see. The dad, that's the first one that will teach them how to become young men and young women. A dad is the one that teaches a young man how to respect women and how to respect other people regardless of their skin color. A dad is the one that helps a daughter understand how to find a man that will treat her the way that a godly man should Do you know statistics tell us that when most daughters who have a great relationship with their father, they end up marrying somebody like their dad? They do. I think of Leslie. I think of Joe. Joe and I are so alike. We're both very outspoken. We're high strung. We can't sit still. We're both drummers. We think alike in so many different things. We're very opinionated. And I'm thinking, wow, she married somebody just like her dad. That's why moms cry at weddings. But it's incredibly important, dads, grandfathers, to take the role of instructing your kids in the truth of God's Word. How do you do it? Let me give you five ways to do it. One, convincingly. You do it convincingly. In other words, this is something you believe. You believe this truth, you believe this is important. You live it before their eyes. They are convinced, not because you say it, they're convinced because they see it in you. Instruct your children and grandchildren convincingly. Secondly, consistently. School is always in session. Every day is an opportunity to instruct your children in the truth of God's Word. And you take every opportunity. I used to love driving my kids to school in the morning. And the reason I loved it was my time early in the morning with my kids. And I would ask so many questions. And we would have such a great time. One time we were driving along and Billy Graham was on the radio and I said something to Leslie. I said, Leslie, that's the greatest preacher who has ever lived. She said, greater than you, Daddy? Daddy. I said, Leslie, Leslie, Billy Graham is a great man of God. He's preached to millions of people. I said, your dad is just a peon. She said, what's a peon? I said, he's just a really small person. He's a small fry. She looked at me and she said, Daddy, you're not small to me. That just melted my heart. But it's those times where you're connecting and teaching and you're constantly involved in that creatively Take every opportunity to teach. You listen to a song, you have the opportunity to talk about it. You watch a cartoon, you have the opportunity to talk about it. You watch a movie with your teenage son, you have opportunity to talk about it. You go to Disney World and they're playing all these films and stuff and all of these different things. You have opportunities to talk about the things of God creatively all around you. How about this one? Conversationally. That's just sitting down. I love doing this with my son today. We talk about all kinds of things. And when we sit there, Ryan and I would just talk about these things. We don't agree on some of the things. But, you know, that's okay to have these conversations and to bring out truth even to this time in their lives. And then conspicuously. What does that mean? He says, put them on, the, on your hands. Put them on the frontals of your head. Put them on the doorpost. In other words, put them out where your kids can see them where they see the word of God, not only before their eyes, but they see it lived out in such a way that we can make this incredible impact. You see, we can make an impact when we show them the reverence for God. We can make an incredible impact when we instill in them a respect for the truth of the word of God and that they see you, dad, reading the word. They see you studying the word. They hear you connecting the word of God to every situation in life. And they're watching you display before them that the authority of your life is going to be the word of God and you make your decisions as a dad. You make your decisions as a husband. You make your decisions as a grandfather. You make your decisions as a worker all based upon the truth of the word of God. And when your kids grow up and they have a situation and they want the answer for that, they will call you and say, Dad, what does God's word say about this? they've seen it in you and one day those of you who are grandparents know that your kids will leave and I want you to know they don't always think we did it right because we didn't I, I would love to be a fly on the wall when my two kids meet together for supper in Atlanta and talk about me maybe I don't want to be that fly on the wall but they do and my prayer is you know dad was the same in the pulpit as he was at home there was no difference and men we can be that here's a third thing a dad makes an impact as he cultivates a relationship with his children a relationship with his children I love the way Moses writes this in Deuteronomy. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I love the way he puts that because this is all relationship. It is a relationship. It's not about rules. It's about a relationship. And I want to tell you something. If you have rules without relationship, it will lead to rebellion. It always does. But when you have rules and an understanding of the relational aspect of that, it leads to redemption. Now, there are four kinds of dads that are out there today. There's the authoritative dad that says, you do it my way or else. Rules the hand, the house with a heavy hand. Then there's the permissive dad. Well, you can do whatever you want. No discipline at all. Then there's the neglectful dad. He's there, but he really doesn't care. He's absent spiritually, emotionally, but he may be there physically, but he's neglectful. And then there's the relational dad. I'm listening. I care. I want to understand. Which of these do you think most represents the heart of the Father, Heavenly Father? Is he's relational? Now, he does have authority over all things but it's in that relationship that we understand the significance of that authority and his kindness. And so I had a man come to me one day, and he says, listen, Mike, my son is really giving me problems. He was 16 years old. He said, he's not listening to any of my rules. I said, well, tell me how you do it. He explained it to me. He was a military guy. I said, well, there's your problem. You have no relationship with your son. It's all about the rules, and for you, success is if he follows the rules. What about his heart? The Apostle Paul tells fathers in Colossians 3.21, do not exasperate your children that they may lose heart. I said, I want you to turn that around. I want you to build the relationship first and see what happens. He came back a few months later. He says, our home has been transformed. He said, the thing that I have missed for 16 years is the relationship. He said, how can you help me further? I said, I want you to be a tender warrior. I want you to be a tender warrior in your home. He said, what does that mean? I said, I'm going to give it to you this way. Take the word tender, and each one of these means a word. T, time, time. You know what kids want? They don't want a dad who's perfect. They want a dad who's present. They want a dad who's present. Take time with your kids. I used to love going on father-daughter dates, father-son Um, excursions. I would take Saturday mornings and alternate and we would go together. Every Thursday night was family game night. Me and the kids would play on the floor games while Chris laid on the couch and slept. This was her break. No. And so we had family game night. Time with your kids is so important. Encouragement. Give them encouragement. Take every opportunity to build them up. I, I remember I always told Leslie how beautiful she was. I'd say every day, you're so beautiful. You're beautiful. I drink, bring her to school. Leslie, you're one of the most beautiful girls out there today. Now you go walk like it. One day she came home. She said, Daddy, this girl at school is so mean to me. She keeps telling me I'm ugly. I'm ugly. I said, what did you do? She said, I told her I'm not ugly. And the girl said, well, how do you know you're not ugly? And she said, because my daddy told me I was beautiful. <laughs> Just like that. Encourage them. They get so much discouragement, they need to hear a dad saying, well done. You know, I love it when you do that. You know what I learned from you today? Let me tell you what you taught me today. And even today, my kids are grown. And one of my number one responsibilities as a dad is to encourage them in their walk. How about this one? Nurture. We often think this is mom's job, and it is. Moms are nurturers. But men, it means that we need to be gentle with our kids. And I want to say something. Men, you have a tendency to be harder on your sons and easier on your daughters. We all have that tendency. Moms, you have a tendency to be easier on your sons and harder on your daughters. We all have that tendency. But I would say men, learn to nurture and to be gentle when it comes to raising your sons and your daughters. Discipline. Discipline is something. Many people think discipline is a negative word. It's not punishment is for the past. Discipline is for the future. And if I love my kids, I will discipline them. And they need to understand. I remember one time Ryan was little. He came to the edge of the road. I said, son, you can't go out there in that road. He said, why? I said, if you go in the road, a car will come by and hit you. And so I'm thinking of a way to really show it to him dramatically, and I'm always dramatic. So there was a dead squirrel in the road, and I had him go look at it. I said, look at that dead squirrel. That's what will happen to you if you play in the road. His eyes got real big. A couple of days later, he told Mom, he said, I can't play in that road. She said, why? He said, I'll get hit by a car. Then I'll turn into a squirrel. (laughs) Completely missed it. But what do we do? We teach discipline. How about express? Oh, oh man, this is so huge. I was 21 years old before my dad ever said the words, I love you. 21. He was out of the Navy before his dad ever told him that. And I made a commitment that all of my life, I will tell my kids I love them. There's never a day when I do not say that. There's never a day when I do not have the opportunity to say, I love you. And now I get to say it to my grandkids. And we pass that on. Express your emotions and respect, respect them. God has given to you to them as parents. And God has given to you them as children. They're gifts. And we respect them. They're not just children. They will be adults who will have their own families and who will point their kids towards the enemy, against the enemy. We respect them. Here's the last thing a dad's impact will reap rewards. I'm not even going into that. There'll be rewards. And what are the rewards? Your own children and your grandchildren. The rewards of watching a generation love Jesus and impact their world. Watching further generations love Jesus and impact the world. I've raised my kids, I'm still their dad. And I still have opportunities when they allow it to speak into their lives. I can't wait for the opportunity to take Hudson and to teach him what God has done in me and the awe that I have of God and the love that I have for him and the truth of the word and how it will sustain him. I can't wait to get to know Hadley and to be able to train her and to pour into her I can't wait for the day for my own grandchildren to grow up and to say, wow, pops loved Jesus. And pops loved us. I hear that from my own kids. And the reward is to watch the generations continue and impact the world. Dads, wherever you are, it's not too late. You can do that right where you are. Grandfathers. The wonderful thing about grandparenting is you get a redo. But you don't have to keep them. But you pour into them. Moms, one of the greatest things you can do is pray for your husband that God would use them as the spiritual leader of the home to impact your kids alongside you. Children, one of the things we can do is honor our parents by recognizing that they're never going to be perfect and they are going to fail. And we let them do that. But we honor them and we love them. If you're a believer here today, maybe you didn't grow up with a a kind father. Maybe he didn't grow up with a father at all. But there is a heavenly father who is perfect, who loves you. He has redeemed you through his son. He has adopted you as his son or daughter. He holds you in the very palm of his hand and he will never ever fail you. You have a perfect heavenly father who will fill the voids of everything that you've ever missed in your life. Because he's far better. He's enough. For those of you who are believers and you've had a good dad, and they're still here, honor him. Make a commitment to be the kind of dad that will honor the father as you reflect His heart with the children He has given you. Maybe you're a young man here and you're thinking, what does this message have to do with me? One day you will be a dad. What kind of dad will you be? Maybe you're a young woman here and you're saying, how does any of this impact me? One day you will marry a man. Make sure he's a man after God's heart. And you will have a godly husband. And your kids will have a godly father. Maybe today you're not a believer at all. And you've got questions. We'd love for you to contact us. Maybe, maybe you have something you want to take this relationship with Jesus further. And you want to commit your life to him. We want you to reach to, out to us. And let us know how we can help you as you navigate through these questions and these things so that you can come and know a heavenly Father who loves you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. I know I've gone over it. But Father, we pray that as we are encouraged today by you, that you encourage us and in that, Father, as dads, regardless of where we are, as grandfathers, regardless of where we are, that we will instill a reverence for God. We will instill a respect for your word. We will cultivate a relationship built on the person of Jesus and the authoritative truth of your word that we might honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day.